From Nickelodeon Studios in Burbank, California, this is the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Hector Navarro. My guest is an actor, writer, producer who's appeared in TV and movies for over 20 years and is perhaps best known as Conan O'Brien's comedy partner starting in 1993 with Late Night with Conan O'Brien. He's also no stranger to animation, voicing the character of Mort in the Madagascar film series and subsequent TV shows, appearing on shows like Robot Chicken and Bob's Burgers, and voicing Ben on Nickelodeon's The Mighty Bee. Cannot wait to talk to the insanely funny Andy Rick. This is going to be great. I'm talking with Andy Richter. This is so cool. This is so cool. I, uh, I've been doing comedy since I can remember. I'm a huge, huge fan. And I love talking to comedians about their work. Where does the beginning of that relationship with you and the world of animation begin? What kind of stuff did you watch as a kid? Were you a cartoons kid? Did you like animated movies? Like, oh, where yeah. did that start? Yeah, I mean, not in an obsessive way, in, in sort of a, in a very normal kid way. Got it. In the way that animation or cartoons... Uh, and I still call them cartoons. I <laughs> Me still, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. When I say I, I don't say like I have a VO for an animated show. Yeah. I say I'm working on a cartoon because I don't find that in any way. No, it's to not be a dismissive or it's derogatory dismissive. at all. No. I read comic books. I love graphic novels. I call them comic books yeah, still yeah. because I'm not offended by that. No, like I no, love that. No. In cartoons, same. Yeah, thing. yeah. I get. Well, as a kid, it was Saturday mornings. I sort of grew up in probably the heyday of, of Saturday morning, mm-hmm. and. Before I even kind of realized, and I won't, I won't remember which which network was which, but yeah. I, I even before I even could sort of brand identify, I would realize <laughs> there were s- some of the channels like I like, you know, like a lot of the Hanna Barbera sort of the Great Race, those ones, you wacky know, races, yeah, yeah, wacky races. Like I knew, like this is lazy, and well, yeah. When you stack that up to the stuff that was like, I Bugs didn't realize Bunny? at the time, yeah, yeah. the stuff or that, that, real Tom and Jerry, absolutely, yeah. like you know that stuff back then was theatrical mm-hmm. shorts that were they were just porting to television, and I didn't realize, but I was like, but this is so the animation is gorgeous. Oh, this. absolutely, and, yeah. and I still am a fan of Scooby Doo. I still yeah. Scooby Doo is huge for me as me a kid. Too. I watched every Scooby Doo and. It's interesting to me now, looking back on it, and I don't know what it is about Scooby-Doo, whether it's those particular characters, <laughs> uh, whether it's the... The scary but not too scary. Yeah, scary but not too scary, I think, is one of the big keys. But yeah. also, where where you might look on it and go, oh my God, it's the same crappy pattern. Every <laughs> single... It's so obvious. But there's it's something so, comforting about that. Absolutely. That's why it works too is because you know you know it's it's like getting on a a, a thrill ride. Sure. I, it starts here yeah. and it ends there and it's and in the middle I'll go woo and then but I yeah. know where it's going. I don't I don't need to be surprised. <laughs> there was I never, just need to be yeah. There was never an episode where Shaggy turned to the camera and he's like, I don't think we're gonna solve yeah, this yeah. one, man. Oh, yeah, like yeah. people are dying. Oh, yeah. like, so oh my expand. god, that's a real vampire. Why do you think that animation and comedy in general just go together so well? There is the ability f- to develop 
and introduce uh, absurdity in, in a much larger kind of way mm-hmm. in that you can have, you know, the Acme Corporation can exist <laughs> in a cartoon, you know, you, that, that, that you can actually, you know, buy, uh, you know, whatever shark repellent and it actually, you know, it repels a shark or, yeah. you know, bombs that go off that don't really kill anybody that just leave them covered in soot and their clothes exploded. Yeah. Um, <laughs> non-lethal bombs. I, yeah. I think there's like, there's a safety to it. There's a non-lethality to it. Sure. But I think that just also too, when... Really, truly, literally anything can happen Mm -hmm. because you're just drawing it rather than actually making it happen. Mm -hmm. Gives a a lot more kind of free reign, which is the beginnings of comedy is uh, letting the human mind do whatever it wants Mm -hmm. and be surprising and be fantastic and be absurd. I also think there's a lot of things that a cartoon character can say. There's a lot of jokes that a cartoon character can do Mm -hmm. that... Are kind of cruel um, in a way that 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 I don't think that if those if those words were coming out of a human face yes that that you would be able to laugh at it as much yes but there you're removed from the humanity of it it's it's th- and this is something that's really interesting to me about two shows The Simpsons and Bob's Burgers yes both family sitcoms yes I feel more empathy sympathy more attachment Mm -hmm. more concern for the characters in those two shows right and for the the units of those families than i ever have with any live action sitcom really yeah and i I mean the simpsons has been on forever and you know and now it's kind of god bless them they're still going and it's still fun to watch but it's but you don't it's not the same family structure sure if Homer Simpson, if that show was live action, oh, he would be the most hated. He'd be. It'd be he's such an awful person. <laughs> we wouldn't put uh, yeah. up with that. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't put up with it. I was living in L.A. I had left the Conan show. Yes. And the head writer that had been at the Conan show when I left, a guy named Jonathan Groff, left shortly after I did. <laughs> Coincidental? I don't think so. <laughs> um, he left uh, shortly after I did. And one of the first jobs that he had is he ran the tragically short-lived uh, Siegfried and Roy animated show. And they have a part for me as like a lovelorn panda, I believe, <laughs> uh, if r- memory serves. <laughs> I went in to record that episode. And after th- I, I actually got a phone call on the way to the recording session from my manager saying, there's some people from DreamWorks that are going to come in at the end, and they're working on an they're working on an animated feature, mm-hmm. and they want you to audition, or they have a part for you in that, and mm-hmm. the, um and so they'll come in at the end, and what since you're in the studio anyway, after you finish, uh you'll sort of you'll audition for this movie. Yeah, I, I finished recording the 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 I can't remember what the name of the Siegfried and Roy show was called, but uh, we recorded that, and then some people. Came, well, it was Tom McGrath and whoever the, his partner at the time was, mm-hmm. uh, and the producer of the movie came in and they said it's this movie called Madagascar and they, they're these zoo animals and they you know they broke down the story and they had some artwork but they said you we want you to try out for this part that's a mouse lemur which is the <laughs> tiniest lemur 
here's different ways it might look. And it was, and I think it was one was little, and then one was where he was really huge, but would have had a tiny voice or something uh, like that. Sure. But the, even Comedy. the artwork, the art, yeah, the artwork wasn't even set really. Yeah. And I kind, you know, and I tried different voices, and they said, I think that they already had set the King Julian voice, okay, to be that sort of yeah, whatever Indian the crazy, yeah, that yeah. kind of Indian Rasta yeah. kind of combo thing that that Sasha ended up doing. I don't know if Sasha was hired by then or not, but they and they said, should he have an accent or not an yeah. accent? <laughs> and I don't think that matters. Some of them will have accents, some of them won't. And I basically kind of just used, in a way, I I borrowed this accent that Robert Smigel uses for Robert Smigel, who was a writer on the Conan show and has gone on to do different things. But Robert is the voice of Triumph, the insult comic dog. Yes. <laughs> and the in the accent that Triumph does is Robert's, when you ask him, what's that that accent, he just says, that's the accent that I think all dogs speak in. He <laughs> thinks that all dogs have an accent, you know, and that, uh, and he, you know, he says it's his grandparents. Like, it's kind of like, it's sort of just a vaguely Eastern European, yeah. old, old Jewish person yeah. accent. And so I kind of borrowed that accent <laughs> uh, with a little pipsqueak voice like yeah. this. And uh, and they said, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that, do that. You got all these from the gorillas? Uh-huh. You like? Yes, what I like very much. How did you do such a thing? They told me to beat them up, so I did. Don't be ridiculous, What You are far too puny to beat up such big gorillas. I read a few lines mm-hmm. and left and, that, you know... Maybe asked, you know, hey, did anything ever happen with that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know uh, what's happened with that. I mean, like six months went by. Yeah. And I got a call. They want you to come in and record some more for that animated thing. And I was like, what animated thing? <laughs> that thing you did, the DreamWorks thing. Yeah. Like, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, okay. They're going to ki- uh, are, am I hired? Yeah. Like, am I doing it? And they're like, like well, yeah, I guess so, because they're having you read more. <laughs> and so I went back in and read some more uh, of more. I'm sure that they probably had to play me a reference yeah. <laughs> to even remember what I had done. And that was the way it went. I think I did maybe two more sessions, but always months in between. Yeah. To the point where wow. I'd kind of forget, forgotten that it was even happening. And then it became, you know, and then it became this really big movie. And I, it was the first time after Madagascar premiered and I went to the premiere of the the movie, which was very fancy, about as fancy as I've ever, like in terms of, uh, I went to do the junket and I flew up in the DreamWorks private jet to San Francisco. Wow. Uh, Just me and Ben Stiller in a jet (laughs) for like 16 people, which I was really like, oh, geez, the waste of fuel this is causing. (laughs) And did a junket in San Francisco because they were piggybacking the junket onto the back of uh, one of the Star Wars movies. And then when we went to New York for the premiere, I stayed in the largest hotel room I've ever stayed at in my life. And my and had my wife and my son. We had, uh, you know, it felt like you know staying in one little tiny corner of a warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you have a chance to work for Jeffrey Katzenberg, I, I recommend it. He's very generous with the Ralph Lauren gift cards and and <laughs> gift baskets and things, which he he is. He's a really he's 
as big moguls go, he's about as nice as they come. It's awesome. And uh, and <laughs> this big splashy premiere. Yeah. And then after the first or second week, I got a call from my manager saying, "You made your bonus," and I was like, <laughs> "Bonus? What bonus?" And they're like, "Oh, the box office bonus because it broke a hundred million." Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, I had one on that." And they're like. You've had one on everything. Just, you've never been in anything that made that much money. So, like, oh my God, this is this is what it's like to be in things that make money. This yeah, is incredible. Yeah, see. yeah. And I was not paid a lot of money in the first one. Mm-hmm. And very shortly after it aired, of course, they said they were going to do another one. Mm-hmm. And the negotiations were always they were phrased in a very kind of almost like regal kind of way, like yeah. like when it came like there's going to be a second one. We're going to start negotiations. And I get the phone call, and it was, uh, uh, Jeffrey would love you to do the movie, and um, he's just, what they're going to do is they're just going to put a zero on the end of the number that you made on the other movie. I was like, oh, make 10 times what I yeah. made on the first, okay, yeah, I don't think we really need to go back, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, great. And, you know, and I mean, it's, it's ludicrous. It was, yeah. it was, the second one especially, they sort of changed the math because DVD mm-hmm. sales and with rentals became, it became the, they changed the math. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. You know, it wasn't as advantageous to us. Like, it wasn't like they added another zero onto the third one. I don't know if you've encountered a lot of Mort fans. But yeah, what I there's love a, about a the little kids. Little yes, kids love more. It's not a lot of screen time for this guy, Mm-mm. but he's a little scene stealer. Yes. And this isn't a movie with he's a lot a of... He's a punchline. Absolutely. He's uh, a punchline. So we need memorable. an ending for this scene. <laughs> Bring in the projectile, the cute projectile with the big eyes. Yeah. It's, he's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. And this is and another cool thing that I love about it is I wanted to ask you, Andy, what has what's the response? What was the response like when um I mean, it might still happen to you, but when people found out that that was you doing the voice of Mort in the first Madagascar and then the subsequent films, yes. what, what, what's that response like when people, people found are, out? People, many people say to this day, they don't know that. They'll be like, uh, and I mean, little kids, it, it happens less and less, but you know, at my kid's school, yeah. do the Mort voice, <laughs> do the Mort voice as I'm just... You know, walking through with a, you know, whatever, like a tray of baked goods to drop off at the coffee meeting or whatever. Yeah. Do the Mort voice. I'm like, hello, everybody. (laughs) You know, it's not like it's like I feel like I'd be. I'd be mobbed yeah. if it was more identifiably me. <laughs> yeah, 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 But it is a fun surprise, and, and it is kind of neat because I have had people that know me and work with me for a long time. Yeah, and it'll some it'll come up, and they'll be like, "What? <laughs> That's you? I, you know, my kids watch that movie all the time. I'm so sick of that, and I've been listening to you all the time, and I didn't even know it was you. I was getting sick of like, yeah, yeah. that's me. So, <laughs> does it make the character more likable for them, or do they, or they even do they double down on like Mort's even more annoying? No, now I think it, okay. I think usually it ends up being a positive. Of, thing. Co- of I course, hope. Yeah, I mean, nobody's course. told me to my face. You know, <laughs> well now I hate it. Now that I know it's you. It gets harder. I mean, I don't know how much longer I'll be doing it. It gets harder as I get older to, yeah. to, 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 to well, to scream at the top of my lungs. Uh, yeah. And sometimes the recording sessions are are are, are are an hour of just like, you know, it's and, and just recently I had a King Julian and I don't know, about three or four months ago, there was some kind of 
fluey head cold that was giving and it was I after I got it, my whole family got it, a bunch of people at work got it, and I was like, Yeah, I missed it. Yeah. And then I started getting a little bit of a sore throat the day before I went into a recording session. Uh oh. Did two episodes that were super mort heavy. Yeah. <laughs> shrieking, screaming, yelling, yelling, yelling. And then my voice was screwed for two weeks. I did Aww. a week of Conan shows where once I had to finally on the Thursday, we do Monday through Thursday, I actually had to pre-record the top of the show announce because on Wednesday, he couldn't, you know, he usually comes out with Conan O'Brien. He yeah. That's his cue. That's his cue to step out. Yeah. He couldn't even hear me because it was like, <laughs> Conan O'Brien. You know, I, I do feel like just, it, I'm not blaming anybody, but yeah. the timing of like just getting, starting to get sick and then shrieking like Mort for an hour yeah. and a half. And yeah. I have had recording sessions where I'm just a little bit under the weather mm-hmm. and just between every line having to guzzle hot water just to sort of <laughs> keep keep the shriek muscles lubricated. Hello. Yo, Bing. Yeah, butter. We got us a trespasser. Oh, the guy's a thief. You know what we do with thieves around here. Kisses and huggies? Nope. Thieves get bounced. Has there been anything that like that's Mort specific that a kid or a fan has come up and been like this Mort line and you're like I don't even remember? I certainly have seen more so more so with the television shows with yeah. with the Penguins of Madagascar or with the King Julian show, which I just call King Julian. I forget the all hail part. Um, but uh, there are definitely uh, scenes that I will watch that I have no recollection of recording. <laughs> I'm just, but that I see, I can watch video yeah. of myself in like in drag or in a cowboy outfit and have no recollection of it whatsoever. Because <laughs> I record, you know, having had the luxury of being on television for 20 years. Yeah, and in the daytime, you know, my day is very frequently. You know, get kids off to school, dentist appointment or whatever, go to the gym, go to work. There's some discussion of something, you know, show politics or whatever. And then, oh, they need you downstairs. (laughs) All right, come downstairs. What is this? Oh, it's a bit about a, 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 you know, a pest control place. Okay. Put on this jumpsuit and this helmet and then say these lines. Okay. Take it all off, and then it's out of my head. And yeah. then I'll, you know, I can see that two years later and go, "When did I put on that jumpsuit? I you don't mean, remember that." You mean you don't remember every single obscure sketch I from Late Night don't, with Conan yeah. O'Brien from nineteen ninety three? I can come home at the end of a day, and my wife will say, "Who's on the show?" Yeah, and I and I mean, it happened less than an hour before, and I'll go, uh, <laughs> "Let's see, there was a woman. I remember there was one of them was a woman." Uh, <laughs> It's great. <laughs> it's really, it's, you know, being on TV is is glamorous. Yeah. But you're, if something becomes your life, the glamour does not, <laughs> is not it, it, it fades. It does not, uh, or if it doesn't, then you have, uh, you should be in therapy or something. <laughs> you know, you have issues. Again, you're a writer. You must look at animation in a different way. Well, there's 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 difference. There's difference between what you know, animation that's a comedy and animation, you know, like like any sort of Studio Ghibli movies. Exactly. You know, though there there's a big difference. And we just watched recently. We watched uh, Kiki's Delivery Service. Great. And that you know that movie 
It's delightful. It's absolutely delightful, and it would have cost so much money to make it, <laughs> you know, to make it and to make it look good. Right. It, it's cheaper to do it as a as a cartoon. Sure. But it's it's just a ride. I don't I don't look at that and think necessarily about oh they really. You know, the third act was a little yeah. soft. I don't think about that at all in that way. Yeah. Whereas I can watch some of the more mainstream American big studio animated movies, and right. I can sit and think, oh, right. this third act is a real snooze. And, you know, I still think, and it's something, I, I it's only adults that make these movies, and you don't get it. You don't get it in, in the Studio Ghibli movies. Mm-hmm. But you can always, I can always hear the the studio notes. I just hear the people who are the, the way too many people who are paid to have notes, right? Having notes about shouldn't we stop everything and have everyone stop and talk about how much you, how much they like each other, or how much <laughs> how many how much how many feelings they're having? Yeah. And it's always to me, it's just like it's it's the assuaging of the guilt of the people who are making product for children. Like they feel like they're like it's not substantive, and it's like, uh, yeah. If the director is doing the job, and if you've created a plot and an atmosphere that is good, and you hire good people to do the voices, mm-hmm. all of those connections take care of themselves. Are you a big fan of sort of Eastern animation? You know, outside? somewhat, okay. somewhat. Some of it's a little too. Like, like, there's a lot of Japanese. There's a lot of anime mm-hmm. that is just kind of like it's beyond me. I don't sure. like. I don't, and but I, you know, I think there's di- there's there's a very there's a difference. I like I, the Studio Ghibli movies. I love them, but then there's some like there's there's plot points that happen in that that are just I just think well I'm not Japanese right. Like I there's like a cultural yeah. Sure, if sure, sure. you said to me what happens next. Mm-hmm. And I'm a fairly imaginative person. <laughs> I could maybe come up with ten things. Yeah. And the thing that happens next, I'd be like, I could have come up with a thousand <laughs> things, and I wouldn't have said, "Oh, it'll turn into a dragon or yeah. what or whatever," you know, yeah. or a water spirit will come out. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, belch garbage on everybody. Yeah. I, like there are just so many narrative left turns. Yeah. That a lot of these movies take. That I. I get tired by because sure. it's they kind of they, they there's a pattern that I think anime fans that they like to follow and I just kind of they I, it's like it's not interesting to me. I'm certainly not an expert. There are people you know there are people that are much more well versed mm-hmm. in sort of world culture mm-hmm. and, and the clash of various wor- world cultures. But from my perspective, I do see a lot of things like say Pacific Rim, mm-hmm. which is obviously borrow so much Japanese stuff. Yeah. There's so much Japanese stuff, even like the creation of the creatures coming out from the bowels of the earth. Yeah. But it ends in a very Western kind of way, which is the conquering of them. Yeah. And I don't think that in the <laughs> Eastern ones, it's never the good guys and the bad creatures. And yeah. then, you know, and then it's always kind of a little more sort of like there's we're here living this life. And then, oh, here comes another, you know, like if you even think about the mo- like monster movies in yeah. Japan, you know, Godzilla's not evil. Yeah. Godzilla's just Godzilla. He's trying to live. He's yes. trying to survive. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's not like, you know, we, we conquered the devil. It's sort of like, you know, we saved the city, but there's not a lot of judgment. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's not a lot of inherent judgment. I mean, there, and then there are, you know, I, I think that as it went on, there's sort of, 
out of just kind of narrative expedience, there had to be like monsters that were on the human side right. versus ones that were sort of more anti-human. Yes. Um, but that's just, that's because there has to be some kind of conflict. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But they, you know, but they don't get to, it's not like they get, uh, like they get conquered. They just, they get sent off to an island to be used again, you yeah, know, at exactly. some point. It's nature. It's the balance yes, of nature. Yes, you know? But there's, but yeah, but I mean, Western movies still are Westerns. Yes. <laughs> you yeah. know, to use Western two different ways. There's there's a guy in a white hat and there's guys in a black hat. And the guy in a white hat deserves to live and a guy in a black hat should be killed. Wow. That's it. You know? That's really sad if yeah. you think about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's that's kind of, you know, yeah. uh, we like that. Yeah. We must we, like we that. Like we keep doing it over and over. Wrapped yeah. up in a little bow. We like yep. that, you know, exactly. Yeah. And somebody's so either got to go to jail or, or die. You did a voice in an anime, correct? Yeah. The Cat Returns. I did, but it was like the fourth version of it or something, yeah. What was that experience like? It was weird. It was weird <laughs> because there had been... Well, first of all, I don't think Studio Ghibli had... I think Spirited Away had just gotten a lot of attention. Right. It's early uh, 2000s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't... I don't think that there were... Because now there's an existing relationship with Disney. Mm-hmm. And I don't... And there had been a previous translation of the movie that was seen as subpar. Right. So it came into someone else's hands. And I think, well, and I think it's one of those things like, oh, Spirited Away, Oscar winner. Uh, what else has that guy done? Yeah. This one? <laughs> How, can we buy that? Yeah, 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 we can buy that. You know, and and so then they redid it. And it was, it was, it was the first time I'd ever done ADR on a cat mouth. Yeah. That was, that was probably just the weirdest thing. And normally you're, re- I ha- you have to do it in animation all the time, but you're doing it, to your own voice. You right. know, it's something where, or there's been a line change, or there's frequently now, I'm doing King Julian now, and there's lots of m- the character of Mort in the Madagascar <laughs> things. It's usually screaming, uh, <laughs> you know, getting kicked, smashing into something, so getting crushed by something. Yeah, yeah, so it's sort of like after you hit that tree, after you're, you know, jettisoned from something and hit that tree, your mouth is kind of in an O, so you have to go, oh, you know, like as you slide down the tree. Um, but this was weird because the picture was already set. Right. And it was in Japanese. You're syncing it up. Yeah. And yeah. so there, you know, and that's where you do get to the sort of the comedy sketch of dubbing Asian movies where you have to, you know, it has to become things like, well, we are ready for you to enter the kingdom. Yeah. You know, like just weird <laughs> sort cadence. of yeah. lilts and rhythms and hanging words yeah. that you wouldn't normally say in that pacing. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. You have that same thing with the characters in the Madagascar Project. Mm-hmm. And you've had the same thing with your partner, Conan O'Brien, mm-hmm. for 20 years. Why do you think you are so good at doing that, Andy? Oh, being like the number two? Sure, yeah. Uh, because it's it's who I am. In, <laughs> honestly, it's 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 who I am. I once heard uh, is Steve Van Zandt, Miami, you know, little Steven, Miami Steve Van Zandt, mm-hmm. uh, Bruce Springsteen's guitarist. He answered that same question. He said, I'm, I'm good at it. He said, I've been number one. I've had my own band. He said, I didn't like it as much. <laughs> I kind of have the same feeling. And I have been, I've been number one on the call sheet a few times. Yeah. And I would have, you know, I certainly would have loved for one of those to become a big roaring hit. It just <laughs> didn't happen. A lot of it is, is 
It suits my person. I can say it suits my personality. I grew up in a very tempestuous household, mm-hmm. and I kind of am very much a middle child, not in the sense that I was desperate for attention, but in the fact that I was the morale keeper, that yeah. I was the one that when everything seemed to be falling apart, I yeah. was holding it together, and I was trying to make everybody laugh, and I was trying to lighten the mood because I was. Oh, I think there was always this kind of feeling of... You know, if we all just decide to like kind of brighten up and and you know and cheer up about stuff, then we can just move past it. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and it, which is a very childlike. It, a lot of kind of of responsibility was it landed in my lap at a very early age. Yeah, and that, you know, and it's, I've been in therapy for a million years <laughs> to sort of deal with that. Mm-hmm. And but it has made it so that I can. I'm very. It's very easy for me to be. Like I, in describing my relationship with Conan mm-hmm. years ago, uh, there's, I heard once that show horses are notoriously high strung, and that they, when they are transferred, they frequently put in another horse, or frequently they'll put in a dog or a goat. Mm-hmm. That these are the actual seriously uh, that yeah. they put in with the uh, just to keep them company, keep yeah. them calm. I can do that. Yeah. I can do that. And I, you know, and I'm not just there to keep the, the show horse calm. Yeah. I mean, I also. You're also very I also, funny. Yeah. I also can <laughs> contribute too. I, I am, I'm certainly in possession of an ego, but in sort of relative terms, and I don't mean to anybody specifically, I mean, yeah. industry <laughs> relative terms. It's a, it's a fairly manageable ego that, yeah. that I'm in control of. So I don't mind. I've never, from the first time I stepped on an improv stage. Yeah. I never needed it. Yeah, I like it. I like being there. I like the attention. But when yeah. it, I mean, from a very like I say, one of the being on an improv stage, when you step on it, you see the people that need it. They're begging for it, and they're gonna. And it's like, okay, if you need the focus, and if you're gonna need, to, if you have to say every other line in this scene, you go ahead. I mean, I'll 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 be here. I'll be here. You know, and I'll wait my turn, and I'll you know, yeah, you know, and and that, and that part of my ego is to say. You go ahead, you go ahead, you go ahead. Oh, and by the way, I'll still be funnier. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I could do it all day. I love doing cartoon voices, and it's something I wish, uh, you know, I wish. Cartoon voice world's a very closed world. I mean, the engineer that's recording, Justin can tell you that he sees the same people all the time (laughs) because there's like 10 people that do everything. Absolutely. And the reason that there's 10 people that do everything is because they're freaking amazing yeah. at it and, and I, I mean and i know them all now yeah and i'll record with different ones of them and the, and they'll say we need this voice this the i mean i have i have some voices in mm-hmm. me i can do cartoon voices sure but i mean these people they have they can do you know, all the voices. yeah whereas i like have maybe six or seven voices yeah they have 40 yeah i just distinct nuanced just yeah. dist- various different people that they can just <laughs> drop into that's amazing yeah that was a blast man thank thanks. you so much thanks good to meet you man i hope that you guys enjoyed that talk with andy richter as much as i did he is so funny and nice and insightful and that was so cool to be able to talk to him about his perspective on comedy as well as as he calls them cartoons because why wouldn't you call them that you're not going to want to miss an episode of the nickelodeon animation podcast so please come back visit us next week on nickanimationpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts thanks to the awesome crew who puts this podcast together this podcast is produced by jonathan highlander dana vasquez eberhardt 
Kelly Smith. Andrew Hubner. Original music by Useful Creatures. All of the incredible social media for our podcast is made by Narbe Manassians. Greg Nix. And thanks to the man who works at controls and makes me sound better than I have a right to, Justin Brinsfield. Until next time, thanks for listening to the Nickelodeon Animation Podcast and keep watching cartoons. Thank you.